There's mummies and dummies and ghosts that bark. There's goblins and ghoulies that wait in the dark. If you wish to wet your pants with fright, listen to Gaxi on Goosebumps tonight. I'm gonna come. Rise, Dogecoin, rise. We're a bit more like outlandish. Yeah, yeah. Do we, this is grounded in reality. Do we need the fridge on while we record? Yeah, it's kind of like a white noise machine. It helps me sleep. Well, that's fine, but just the whole point of having the studio was it would be an ideal sound environment. Mm. Welcome back to Gatsy on Goosebumps, the only show in which I read and review every single Goosebumps book from Arnold Stein's original series. And joining me today, as always, is my co-host with the most ghosts, Dungeon Master, Sam Rogerson. Afternoon. How are you, Sam? Very well. Bit warm, bit humid. Running theme throughout this book, by the way. Okay, well, I'm happy to, I'm happy to touch on that with you. Foreshadowing. What did we read today, Sam? We read Welcome to Dead House. Mm. Goosebumps number one. I was reading my uh, 90s Scholastic Edition. You opted for the recording of the cassette on YouTube, is that correct? Yeah, 90, I legally got my hands on the 97 cassette and listened to it on my legal cassette player on YouTube.com. Well, I'd be very, I'd be very interested to know... How did you find the voice performances? Honest, honestly, did it add much to it? Did it take yeah, like- it was like having an inflection kind of sold things more than maybe I would have felt when when I was reading the book. But I, whenever I felt like it was taking away, I had to remind myself that a fourteen year old girl is voicing every character in this book, even the dad, the dog, the the oh, mum. Okay, so because it's from it's from our female protagonist perspective, she yeah. does the voices of all. She voices everyone, which was like her voice is, was great, but like her doing the dad and then also Compton, yeah, as well was like just one of them was her dad, another one was the cool version of her dad. <laughs> like there was no real like I couldn't distinguish between those two voices. But having said that, you know, it was only seven. Genuinely surprised at how good it was. Can you describe? what we've got in our front cover. Now, I think this is interesting because I think like, this is back in vogue. The blue and green mentioned in the book is really captured within the, you know, the um, the artistry of this cover. Mm. The house is bathed in dark, dark navy, you know, dark blue, light purplish, pastel, you know, um, lime greens with a emanating orange glow coming uh, from out the door and the windows. Oh, I've just noticed there for the first time ever, there's someone looking out the window. Mm. Terrifying. Mm. Um, and there's a tree, but there's no branches on it. So how's it going to supply shade? A very prominent part of the of the novel as well. Yeah, giving shade is a prominent part. A lot, a lot of shade being thrown in this novel. What's the tagline we got on the front cover there? It will just kill you. Mm. Straight to the point. <laughs> very literal. Good. Uh, can you read us out our blurb for me? Uh, look alive. Okay. <laughs> Amanda and Josh think the old house they have just moved into is weird, spooky, possibly haunted. Good. It's just that neighbors are just very racist and, <laughs> and they're Scientologists. And the town of Dark Falls is pretty strange too. But the parents don't believe them. You'll get used to it, they say. So my parents said to me as well about bullying. Did you? No. Go out and make some new... Again, go out and make some new friends. If only it was that easy, I've heard it all before. So Amanda and Josh do. But these new friends are not exactly what their parents had in mind. Again, we know, it's the racists. Yeah. <laughs> because they wanted to be friends... Dot, 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 forever. Is this two ellipses there? Yes. So this is obviously the first in the, the Goosebumps series. This is this is the, what kickstarted a phenomenon. It was on Kickstarter, was it? 
And uh, so this was published. Looking at the uh, looking at the date here, ninety six, ninety two. All right, close. Published ninety two. So for those listening home, this is uh, two years since the last Collingwood Premiership and three <laughs> years since the last James Bond movie. So that should be able to help you place it in context. Let's let's go through the story, and you know, stop me if you stop me if you if you've heard this one before. before. <laughs> I'll 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 be the I'll be the comedy man. Sorry, you. sorry. So, look, Josh and Amanda move into their new house, and it's, uh, how, how do they get this house? Do you remember that? Oh, sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry. If you're listening at home, Sam's just been shot in the head by anti-goosebumps extremists. Bloody everywhere. How did they, how do they get this new house all of a sudden? So, the dad's uncle of some description has died. Mm. Very morose, very sad. Mm. Don't really, don't really um, linger on the sadness of the uncle dying because mm. straight away they're into it. Free house. Yeah, fantastic. If I can read this section here. My great uncle Charles has left us the house in his will, Dad explained, reading and rereading the letter. It's in a town called Dark Falls. Huh? Josh and I cried. Where's Dark Falls? Very, very legitimate question. Yeah. Dad shrugged. I don't remember your uncle Charles. Mum said, moving behind Dad to read the letter over his shoulder. Neither do I, but he must have been a great guy. Wow, this sounds like an incredible house. Dad... Is either an idiot. The, or... the dad's home of Simpsons. <laughs> Literally! <laughs> Sounds like a son of a Simpsons episode. Or he's like, he's got some really bad debts in that town. He needs to yeah. get out as quick as possible. He'll take it. Yeah. This is like his lifeline. It was like... Yeah, and also the dad's a writer. Mm. Is this a stand-in for... Is this R.L. Stein's first character? Like, self-insert? I'm glad you pointed that out. So, I mean, as our resident horror expert, you'll be no doubt familiar with The Shining. Yes. In which case, a writer goes into this old hotel and actually the character's name in The Shining is Jack which is also given as the dad's name so does that mean R.L. Stein wrote The Shining well at this point you know who can tell so it's like Shakespeare you know? was there was one of them or was there two of them or was he even alive at all I gotta say the kids aren't really happy about this new house especially this Josh kid Amanda's younger brother oh, what, do you, what do you think of him I wanted to criticise but I can relate he's mm. in that stage of life where you know you're too old for the kid shows you're too young for the adult movies Especially those ones. And they're shown around this house by uh, Compton Doors. Mm. He's described as quite a sort of a, sort of handsome man, this Compton Yeah. He I... wears a cowboy hat. If you get the impression Amanda would like him to be her dad rather than this overweight writer who's never actually shown writing in any of the, the, the no, stories. they're not shown really ever doing anything. Description of the house, very shady, dark falls. Again, does what it says in the tin. It's yeah. sort of like very incredibly dark and shady because of all these big old trees. Yeah. Immediately, sort of, Amanda sees a boy in her room. Mm. And this is a recurring thing, seeing this boy in her room. Now, is that the ghost of her childhood? You know, is that what it's metaphorically for? Do you want to read up my notes? Do you want to read up my notes? Please. Boy in the house is the ghost of childhood. <laughs> <laughs> Both Amanda and her brother are on the cusp of becoming teenagers. Okay. This ghost, this ghost-like child, is an apparition of memories come to life. And they're sort of noticing maybe that things that seemed ideal, like their parents' marriage, for example, maybe aren't ideal. Yeah. And they're quite they're quite short with the kids. Yeah. Parents, and they're quite short with each other. Like, if I can read you this passage here, let's all try really hard not to get in each other's nerves. Mum suggested. Dad laughed. Good idea, dear. Don't make fun of me, she snapped. Unnecessary. He was just making a joke to lighten the mood. <laughs> you can tell you can tell tensions are already high before the book's already started. And I'm thinking maybe that's, you know, like, oh, you, you, your parents' marriage is an ideal, you know? They, maybe this moving to this this house is their one last chance to, to you know, rekindle everything. 
put everything in this new place because I don't get a lot of love in this family. No, it's, it sounds grim, and I actually just had recently watched it, a YouTube essay about The Shining by, mm. I think her name's Maggie Fish, mm. um, and she mentions how a lot of people forget that Jack doesn't become a bad dad. He, they're already an unhappy family right. before they arrive, going. and that's kind of what that reminded me of is like, the house hasn't twisted them into these horrible tension. It's they're already, they're already on each other's nerves from the get go. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen it, but I saw the Simpsons parody in Treehouse of Horror, and that, you know, fantastic. So I think we're sort of on the same page. Now. I, I, I saw the thirty seconds to Mars film clip where Jared Leto's in the the, the hotel, and yeah, and I think he he sends like uh, anal beads, and, and he like, says, "We live in a society." <laughs> And also, this Josh kid, he's such a... I don't know, look, you've moved a lot more times than I have. I can't imagine you, even at 11, being as whiny and as... No. Uh, and is just... He's a real pain. He just, but, like, but again, I feel like how much of that is him and how much of that is the fact that his parents hate each other and he's trying to just, like, yeah. do his own yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, Amanda's fine. Like, mm. I, I've got down here that she's... Re- she uses logic and reason mm. a okay. lot. Like, right. the, like she's, she's really, to own the lib To own the lib <laughs> Well, like, for example, I pulled Petey down by his hind legs and Josh started to howl. Mum turned around and gave him a dirty look. Josh didn't stop howling, though. He thought it was right. Some some kid of mine <laughs> in the back seat howling like a dog. Right? Guess what? We turned that freaking car around, right? There's no welcome to dead house for anybody. I'm not going to put up with that in the back of my station wagon. Now, not now, not ever. So I really came to dislike Josh. I found him... I was, I was obviously quite a good boy, but, like, you know... Mm. So yeah, I, I wasn't a fan of Josh, and there's, as you said, may, that may just be the only way he can get attention from his family. Yeah, I feel like he's just healing it up. I feel like I feel like by us being annoyed by him, he's doing his role well. Mm. Like he's written well in the sense that he's the annoying little brother. Would you like to hear my new segment, which I call um, "Dad is a Bourgeois Pig"? Yes. All right. So, so this demonstrates Dad's contempt for the working class. All right. So, it's when they all have to move move away. Slow down, Jack, Mum warned shrilly. The street is really slick. But Dad was in a hurry to get to the house before the moving van did. They'll just put the stuff anywhere if we're not there to supervise, he explained. So he thinks it's his role to, like, supervise, overlook Mm -hmm. all these working-class people and tell them what to do. Keep them in order. Because they can't do their job. They can't do their... Exactly I've got to be... Me, the middle management office worker, has to be there to tell them how to do their job. So after they get there, at least we beat the movers, Dad said, glancing at his watch. Then his expression changed. (laughs) Hope they're not lost. So there we go. At one hand, you derive the working class, but he realises he needs them. And I think this summarises the class conflict that is central to so many of these Goosebumps books. This is a man who desperately needs a win. Uh, Like, I beat them, didn't I? Look. Look, I've done it. Now can I sleep in the same bedroom as you again? And then we get to the next next chapter. They're moving in, they're moving everything around. The kitchen light won't go on, Dad called from the back. Did the painters turn off the electricity or something? So they're, they're out to sabotage him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, obviously, they're out to stop him. You know, he's yeah. got to keep them in order. We've got to keep them in order. Or they're going to, you know, they're going to, what are they going to do? They're going to go on strike, turn yeah. off our electricity? God forbid he pick up a tool and, you know, <laughs> do something around the house. So I don't know if, if Dad, if Dad, because he's a writer, is a stand-in for R.L. Stein himself. I don't know what that says about R.L. Stein's, you know, I don't know where we want to place him on the political spectrum. Yeah, I reckon, I got real, like, Clinton-era... Liberal Democrat yeah. vibes from from this family, especially when the dad says that he now that he can quit his job mm. and become a writer, where's the income coming from? Like, mm. they've obviously got enough money that he, he, right. he doesn't need to work again. Yeah. Quite right, definitely upper middle class. I feel. Let's let's press on that a bit more. The fact that he accepts that he's been left a house 
without much hesitation, it's probably not that uncommon for him. Oh, one of my wealthy relatives, he must have heaps. Yeah. Oh, he left me a house. He's obviously... Doesn't even seem thrilled about it. Doesn't seem like it's his, the greatest day of his life. Just part of the course, isn't it? You know, is Dark Falls, is this a Rust Belt town that used to be really industrious? I, yeah. So the first thing I... So the two things that came to my mind was when they started describing Dark Falls was, mm. one, Silent Hill Town. Okay. Something's gone horribly wrong. Yeah. Second thing was, was that four hours away... That's, you know, that's rural. That's, that's real, yeah. Four, like yeah. four hours from where we are now, it's, that's... Yeah, you're in, you're in the sticks, yeah. So I got the vibe of they're moving to a, a place where there's not going to be a supermarket on every corner. Mm. It's going to be like living back in the olden times. And we'll get to... We'll get we'll, we'll touch back on that at the end because I think there's more to be said about that. But Amanda still continues to see this guy in her room and she comes downstairs and she's like, I saw his face, Mum, in the window. I'm not crazy, you know. Amanda... Mum bit her lower lip the way she always did when she was really exasperated. You saw a reflection or something. Of a tree, probably. It's not wild, unforeseeable that, like, there's been no one in this house. The painters haven't been there. We find out later a window's been opened. Is it that unforeseeable that someone's, like, lo- looking around the house? Even if it's, like, some kid? Also, I've never been in the distance and squinted to see something and go, is that a person? Oh, no, it's a tree. <laughs> <laughs> Trees are huge. Generally massive things. I've never gone... Oh, there's Alex. A reflection of a tree as well. It's just an oak tree. Yeah. Mum's, like, got no time for her whatsoever. No. You can tell them. And also, they never, ever touched on what the mum's doing when she's not on screen. Well, she's on Xanax. Yeah. I I got the vibe of this mum is just, like, she's had kids too too young, didn't really want them, now has them, and now that they're starting to become their own people, Mm. she can't handle it. Yeah. She... Married a man with a good prospect. Yeah, he was a, a wealthy man. Yeah. He was creative. And she thought, that's what I meant to do, but she never really found herself. And then, you know, over time, he's lost his mobility. Yeah. As, they, as they point out quite clearly. He's getting on. He's, he's, he's pudging up. He's put on a bit of weight. And she's going, wow, those quieter guys who were in um, theatre sports, mm. you know, Alex and Sam, they, they're the ones I should have married. But it's too late now. They're yeah. making shit tons from Mr. Henderson uh, making, producing this new Goosebumps exactly podcast. Right. Exactly right. I did notice as well that they're so quick to dismiss their children without ever talking to them about what's going on. Mm. You know, if a child keeps coming down and telling you they're seeing things, it's probably worth a conversation with, I don't know, yeah. the child or your partner. Yeah, especially, especially like, okay, so you didn't see something. Well, then the other option is your child's quite disturbed from this move. Yes. Your, your, your child is struggling. Yeah. This is a child who, as she states in the book, didn't want to leave her home mm. and misses her friends. Yeah, we get a scene so where it, she says goodbye to her friend. She's really upset about yeah, it. Yeah, so it, it, it's not it's not unperceivable to think, oh, this child's depressed because they've left their home of all their life mm. and they're now living somewhere else. Mm. I've got here, Amanda is rational. Mm. Uses logic and reason to soothe herself. Because mm. whenever something terrifying happens... She explains it away in a way that makes sense that I wouldn't have done at 11 years old or 12 yeah. years old. And certainly, I imagine she's got this ability from having an unsupporting mother and father who don't really give a damn what she's talking about. Yeah, and so she's gone that route, and whereas Josh has just said, I'm going to... Josh has said, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get attention. Like, I'm, I'm going to have... I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to break this window because yeah. I can. Yeah, because that's the only way I'm going to mm, get... And the parent's going to be mad when he grows up and he's on the dole yeah. and he's got a job and he's smoking weed and... We also should say uh, Petey, the beloved dog, uh, he really doesn't like Compton Doors when he's... Oh, he freaks out when he sees Compton Doors. The fact that Petey automatically reacted to the to the resolution Compton, mm. it was the first time I started thinking about how these books are written for children mm. and the fact that I was like... I had to be on the nose that the first 
you know, the mysterious man of cowboy hat is instantly barked at. I was like, but hey, these books, I forget, are for children. Mm. So this is probably a a good way of, you know, making a child... Signposting without giving it away. Yeah, like, it it wasn't like the guy's hand fell off and the dog ran up with it or something like that. It could have been that, but I think it's it's a subtle nod saying, hey, you know, something's not quite right here. So, got some more class watch. The men, complaining about the rain, started carrying in all of our furniture. Josh and I helped show them where we wanted stuff in our rooms. They dropped my dresser on the stairs, but I only got a small scratch. Yeah, I, I, I marked it. I marked the scratch part down. Why aren't the parents doing this? Where are the parents? I feel like I feel, I feel like the children, as children, I want to do, are like sympathising with mm. something they're seeing that looks unfair. Mm. And as a child, I think you would think, how come these men have to carry all this heavy stuff while I sit mm. here, while my parents mm. just sit there? I've also noted here uh, Amanda's uh, subtextual uh, fear mm. of moving is her confronting the concept of change. Okay. She has to move on. And it's very, very clear here that she misses Kathy. She wants to be with Kathy. She's happy where she is. Mm. She doesn't want to change. Mm. It's a free house, yes, but is that what's the price of that when your children lose mm. what's most important to them? Mm. That's what powers the evil on the house. Yes. You know, it's not actually evil of it in of itself, it's evil because it represents, like you said, a massive change. And I like your small town life sort of fear. And the commentary there, because you know she she mentions you know it's 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 one school. There's not a separate middle school and high yeah, school. They're combined. That's going to be horrifying. That they're, they're combined. Yeah, and that, that is anxiety inducing if you're a junior primary school student having to go to class with high school kids. Yeah, I would hate that. I found the first third of the book pretty dull. Mm-hmm. This was the first moment when they had the dream when I was like, oh, this is a horror story. Amanda has dreams of her family being dead. Mm-hmm. So first of all. You know, you could, you could, you know, Freud have a field day on diving into the fact that this disjointed family has a daughter who dreams of her family dead, dead alongside her at the kitchen table. Eat, yes, made of bones, and they're also in the dream eating bones. Almost like they're eating each other, you know? Which, as we can see, they are. They're each other's necks. They're constantly snapping at each other. Yeah, I've also added here that her friend Kathy's knocking on the door. Yes. Amanda is unable to open the door. Mm. She can't open the door for Kathy. Mm. And I've got here that this depicts the fear of being forgotten. Mm. She is faceless. And I feel like that's why Kathy's locking the door. And Amanda, she, you know, in the in, in the text, she can't go to the door. What that really means is she's four hours away. Mm. She, can't, she can't go around the street to her. I, I, I take that and I accept that. I'll give you an alternate representation going back to our fear of sort of cusp of adulthood. Mm-hmm. She's now realizing, oh, everyone I love is going to die eventually, including yeah. myself. And so Kathy, in that sense, knocking the door is the childhood that we talked about. Oh. And she can't get there. She can't go back. She can't go back in time. She can't go back in time. At least not in this Gibson's book. And I think oh, alternatively, I maybe she's realized, you know, Collingwood's last premiership. Mm. And she's been told, you know, mm. by some kind of prophet, mm. you know, 20 years to the next one. She's going, wow. Is it know, worth waiting? Maybe I'll eat my parents' bones. <laughs> I'll... One one more word on mum. So after her terrible dream, she sees the curtains moving and she's like, oh, it must be the window open. She goes and checks. The window's closed. Yes. So the windows were, the curtains were blowing, even though there was no window there. And she goes and tells her mum. This is mum's response. Mum said sharply, boys in your room, curtains blowing. Mm-hmm. You have to realise that you're nervous and your imagination is working overtime. Mm-hmm. If that's the best your imagination can come up with, you're a pretty boring kid. Yes. It's not like, oh, as again, there's a purple unicorn there. There's space aliens coming to talk to me. A very boy in my real, room, very curtains real. blowing. It's foreseeable. Yeah. It could this, happen. This, this isn't, you know, out of the ordinary. What's the first thing the mum says to her when she's biting back at her? She says, 
boys in your room. <laughs> now, there's a presumption there mm. that this has that this has happened before. Mm. Yeah, like, like right, the, right. the way the mum talks is she despises her daughter, especially because I think her daughter's going to her daughter still has youth on her side. Yeah, she's she's about to live her glory years, mm. and the mum missed out on that because she's with the bloody tummy dad. And you know what? Who hasn't written jack shit yeah. since he moved into the exactly house? Exactly right, and you can tell that the mum is going. Hmm. You're about to go through the part of life where I I was having the most fun, and the fact that you're not enjoying it, and I can't go back again. The mum can't go back and not open the door to her to her child. Not in this goosebumps book. No, that's that's the mum and the door of the youth. <laughs> Sounds alright. <laughs> it's a good book. What I've noticed is they don't really explain what many people are doing in this book. Mm-hmm. You don't know what the dad's doing. Mm-hmm. If somebody's painting or he's like fixing a light, maybe. Yeah. You never hear what the mum's doing. Josh is usually complaining, but there there is one scene where they really really. Zoom in on Amanda in the kitchen, and she's washing dishes. And she mentions that she enjoys it, mm. and she like takes satisfaction in doing the dishes. Mm. And I feel like this is that, as you said, that duality of her and her mum. Mm. There's about to be a, um, a usurping, you know, in the next, you know, the next ten years, we're going to see the mum's going to be, you know, maybe pushing retirement, and the daughter's going to be, you know, womanhood is is approaching. I also want to say, again. Mental health watch. Amanda, please, he replied, making a face. And I There's quote, no girls in this town. I, may, I quote, this is, this is what, if someone is suffering mental illness. Yes. Or, God forbid, having a psychotic episode. Or, or saying they've seen a person yeah, in a town. Yeah, what you should respond with is, stop seeing things, okay? <laughs> stop that part. Stop seeing things. Oh, that did it, Dad. But even, so even, so even if that was a real person. Yeah. Is she not meant to yeah, well, yeah, cast yeah, exactly, her gaze? Exactly. So, yeah, now, <laughs> stop seeing things. Yeah. yeah. Stop observing. And we get to another blonde boy, as you said. They're sort of the first person they meet in the town besides Compton. Who sounds like a, a Toast of London character. Yes. Ray Thurston. <laughs> <laughs> I made a note of what a great name Ray Thurston yeah, is. Yeah. And there's something there. Um... I'm, I'm, Ray I'm, Thurston? Oh, you bet I am. Yeah, I, yeah Ray Thurston was a came to my yeah. mind. Came to the hair. And similar to Compton, Com- he says the same... Petey goes and barks at this kid when they meet him when they're going for a walk, and he says the same thing Compton does. He yes. says, he probably smells something on me. Yes. Did you have anything for that? Yeah, so... Again, I, I mentioned here that the dog barks at him, so I've got here, young boy with blonde hair, seen on the walk, Ray Thurston, mm. triggers same response in mm. Petey. Uh, is the boy's name Compton? Okay, I've got that after the note that the boy's name is Ray Thurston. <laughs> so, no. I can say no. It's no, not. but I think what I'm trying to say here is, is this young Compton? Yeah, you know, so that's, is, that's what you were thinking of. Yes, I'm thinking Compton grew up here as a boy and the ghost of him, like maybe like his brother died or something. Yeah. This is his brother. Yeah. And even just like the way he phrases things. So I've written here as well, Amanda says, it's really dead around here. Ray Thurston says, yeah, you could say that. So that's when I, that's when I started going, is the whole town dead? Okay, yeah, and, and, I picked up on that that little line as well. Yeah, and then the next thing I said is that all the names are very dated. Mm. Must be born in the 1950s. And then it turns out that uh, Ray used to live in their house. Yeah. He says that. And they go to a basketball, no, sorry, a baseball field or a playground mm. or whatever. They're playing a game of baseball and this other girl, Karen Somerset, says the same thing. She says, I used to live in your house. Tell Amanda. Yeah. Which is which is odd. Because... I thought they might be brother and sister. Okay. Yeah, like, okay. oh, this, okay, that, that's that's feasible. They're brother and sister. They live in the same house. They get together to play baseball or whatever. They're all hanging out of the playground. Yeah. They just start to circle the two kids. Yeah, again, this is one of those moments where I was like, that's terrifying. Two boys with baseball bats held them up waist high and moved forward. Mm. 
the circle tightened. The kids were closing in on us. And it's interrupted by Compton when he's walking past. He goes, oh, hey, kids. He sort of interrupts it. If Compton wasn't there, were they going to bludgeon those kids? Were they going to bludgeon Amanda and Josh to death with baseball bats? Yeah. And I'd, I don't know how far you want to jump ahead, but we later do find out that there was there was murderous intent. Yes. But if that's the case, and we all and we do later find out that Compton has a role to play in this. Yeah. Why did he stop it here? I want to... I will get to that one. Later on? Yeah. So, Mr. Dawes comes past and they sort of break up and Amanda's like, did I imagine that? Were they really just surrounding me? And like, no one sort of mentions that they're just like going on normals anything. Yeah. They mention the shade here again. Yes. Oh, yes. And, and I, I, I've just written shade equals vampires. At this moment, I'm really certain they're all vampires. Uh, because like, as soon as the sun... It just barely starts to come out. It's like 11.30. Like, all right, time to go home. Um, we can see the influence of this scene in the um, film Twilight, where they're mm. playing baseball mm. in the field. God. And they're all vampires. God, that... I mean, I know it's, it's... You know, it's always been cool to shit on Twilight. That scene is so lame. <laughs> so, it says several days go by after this incident, and they sort of say they're getting used to the new house. This is Amanda speaking, obviously. In my room, I kept hearing whispers late at night and soft giggling but I forced myself to ignore it. Hmm. One night, I thought I saw a girl just all in white at the end of the upstairs hall. Again, I think that's the... Re- she is so grounded for a 12-year-old. She's been like, well, no, it can't be this. Like, I am... And especially when she's been, she's been so invalidated by her parents. Yes. She's like, oh, if I, if I thought that, there'd be something wrong with me, so that can't be... She's been gaslit by her parents. She actually like, is. The things that she's seeing don't exist. And Petey runs away, doesn't he? Yes, and... Now, has Josh had his nightmare yet? He mentions it. Yes, because I've got here, Josh dreams of two boys in his room laughing at him. Mm. And then he doesn't want to talk about it with Amanda. Mm. Again, Mm. really highlights the fact that he doesn't want to talk to people about Mm. what what he finds troubling and scary, which reflects the parents. But also, Amanda has the ability and the foresight to, to soothe herself on these issues. Josh doesn't. And mm-hmm. that plays into why he's such a fucking shit. Also, if you want to dive into that dream, you're on the cusp of adulthood. There's two boys in your room. Your, bo- your body's changing. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not, you know, changing at the rate you'd like. And maybe you're in the gym locker room and some of the boys look more like men and they're standing there mm-hmm. and they're laughing at you. Look, and you try and tell Mr. Hutch about it. Mr. Hutch says, don't worry about it, mate, and just tells you to grab a ball and start playing tennis. I don't know. That's just one suggestion. It could be that. It could be anything. That's that's one thing. I'm yeah. thinking. I mean, we've all been, you know, we've all had two boys in our bedroom at one stage and, you know, wake up in the morning and, you know, you might want to tell your parents about it. Well, uh, there was no one laughing in my situation. No. So Petey escapes. He's run away. They look around for him. They can't find him. And then mum's like, oh, this is a bad day for a party. Yeah, and also, I've got, sorry, I've noted, I've noted here, parents oddly blasé about missing dog. Yeah, they're like... They don't mm. give a shit. They tell her to have lunch. Yep. They, they <laughs> stop them from fi- looking for the dog yes. before they've had lunch. So this is where mine, on my mind's going, the parents are in on this as well. Okay. That would be all right. If they were in on it, they would want the dog to be away. Well, they wouldn't want to find the dog because this dog is so far, got a pretty good track record of sussing yeah. out creepy Yeah, things. this dog is also scoopy doo apparently. <laughs> they're like, oh, I'm sorry the dog's missing. Anyway, we have to go to like a neighborhood party to like meet people. So mum and dad are away at this neighborhood party and I guess they, both of them can't sleep. They're like, look, I bet Petey's at the cemetery because that's where he ran to at the start when he yes. first came here let's go to the cemetery yeah. in the middle of the night Josh grabs his, his flashlight and they're stumbling to the cemetery in the middle of the night and suddenly Ray is joining them this last 
kind of third is where I was like, wow, this story's really kind of really final all cylinders. Up, yeah. yeah. Ray's trying to tell them not to go to the cemetery, which makes sense. Like, yeah. a kid being like, don't go to the cemetery in the middle of the night, it sort of makes yeah. sense. Yeah, at first I thought Ray was a narc, and then I was like, no, that's just common sense. And they get sort of near the cemetery. Look, Josh said again, his flashlight playing over a strange structure built at the edge of the cemetery. It took me a little while to figure out what it was in the small circle of light. It was so unexpected. It was some kind of theatre. An amphitheatre, I guess you'd call it. Circular rows of bench seats dug into the ground, descending like stairs into a low stage-like platform at the bottom. I really thought this is quite a unique setting for the climax of a horror book. A amphitheatre next to a cemetery. Haven't encountered that before. No, and it, it gave me a sense of, like, druids in, like, mm. in like Ireland or... You know, Scotland, there's only like... I didn't pick up on that. Sort of a very, sort of, almost like an ancient evil. Yeah, thing. yeah. So, yeah. It is going to be some, like, cultish... You know, for every hundred or thousand years, this is some cultish thing. And yeah. it, it doesn't end up being that. But that's that was the sense I got from that description because it was so odd. I'd listen to it twice to kind, mm. kind of picture it in my head. So, they see that and they notice it's sort of, like, blocked almost by a big, massive tree that's sort of bending over. I'm sure that won't come in handy. They see Petey again. Petey is growling. He's got red eyes and he stinks like a dead rat. Yeah. And it's quite sad when they sort of like call to Petey and he doesn't recognise them. Again, this was, this again was one of the moments where I was like, this isn't, I didn't think what would eventually happen mm. is what would happen because it's a Goosebumps book. Yeah. I suddenly felt sick. What had happened to Petey? Why was he acting so differently? Why wasn't he glad to see us? It's sad. You know, you, we'll get to sort of how how this maybe differs from later books in the series, but you can't get away with maybe killing someone's mum, but probably possessing or their dog going evil is probably as pretty, like, emotionally yeah. fraught as you can get. And I feel like that that, it, that kind of ties into that, that childhood thing of, like, I know it's pretty common sense of it, like, having a pet is a good thing for children to have because it mm. teaches them about life and yeah. death. Like, yeah. this is pretty distressing seeing the, the dog dead. So... Dog runs away again, and Josh goes to catch up with Petey. So as they're sort of chasing after Petey, they find these gravestones, and it's got the names of the friends they made. Got Karen Somerset there, uh, George Carpenter, and uh, of these are all the people they they met playing baseball. Alan Didak. Alan Didak, uh, and they all died in the same year, 1988. So a few years before the book is set, and finally they see the headstone of Ray Thurston, and Ray Thurston, who was with them the whole time. He's been sort of following them, telling them not to go. He's like, yes, it's me. I'm so sorry, Amanda. He mentions that he's the Watcher. Yes. That, again, terrifying name for, like, as an adult to hear, like, this child be called the Watcher. It makes it seem so much more organised and, like, um, uh, planned. Yes. Out, rather than being just a... a sp- uh, yeah, spooky. yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. There's there's an order. And as we can see, I mean, it fits in with our amphitheatre. There's, there's a ritual here. But, yeah, you weren't meant to find out yet. Ray says to Amanda, Dogs always know, Ray said in a low, flat tone. Dogs always recognise the living dead. That's why they had to go first. They always know. You mean Chilling. Petey's dead? I choked out the words. And I know you're crying at the moment, trying to hold back tears. They but... kill the... <laughs> it's very emotional. They kill the dogs first. So, yeah, we get confirmation that this dog they loved is dead. It's like he's... killed. Yeah. And... Fucking terrifying. And so, were, were you watching me from the window, I asked? Was that you in my room? Again, you know, yes. I used to live in your house. I'm the watcher. We need fresh blood, Ray said. What? I cried. What are you saying? The town. It can't survive without fresh blood. None of us can. You'll understand soon, Amanda. You'll understand why we had to invite you to the house, to the dead house. Unoriginal name. I know. 
I messed up, he whispered. I was the watcher, but I messed up. So apparently it wasn't meant to kill them for a while. Yeah, yeah. he says there's a few weeks. You're meant to know for a few more weeks. But I've got to say, if Ray's the watcher, he did a really awful job. Like, because when they were about to discover the secret, his strategy was to go, oh, don't do it, guys. (laughs) I wouldn't do that if I were you. Like, if if he's, like, the best they've got, they're in a lot of trouble because he really, he did jack shit to stop them finding out. Josh shines a light at Ray's face and we get quite a graphic description of Ray's face melting away. Did you like that? Yeah. it's Again, like, I don't remember a good, a good book that I've read mm. going into such detail, mm. graphic detail about what's happening to the face. So he shines the... Uh, Josh shines a light on his face. Ray's skin seemed to be melting. His whole face sagged and fell, dropping off his skull. Then to the circle of white light, I had to look away as Ray's skin folded and drooped and melted away. As the bone underneath was revealed, his eyeballs rolled out of their sockets and fell silently to the ground. So I guess this fits in with the whole shade. This is why they left when, as soon as the, yes. the, the, the sun came out. Any light. So similar to vampire Yeah, rules. weird zombie rules to have, isn't it? it, it my, eyes, my eyes rolled out of my head when I heard this explanation for why they die. <laughs> it, is, it is odd sort of what they're meant to be because they're not quite zombies. They're not quite vampires, yeah, are they? no. I thought the book could have ended right here. Oh, so but like, then, like, and then they escape. Like, okay. So when, when this, when this, when Ray died, I was like, oh shit! They then run back to the house. Yeah. The parent, they tell the parents to get yep. in the car and go That's home. Right. So instead, they go back, and of course, their parents are home because they're still at the party. But then they realise all the kids are in the house. All the other kids. Yeah, this was it was scary. I didn't like yeah, this part. It was very yeah. scary. Because you can imagine a million night these creepy kids that you know are ghosts in your house now. It's quite scary. And I did like this line, we used to live in your house, Karen said softly. Huh? I cried, we used to live in your house, George said. And now, guess what, Jerry added, now we're dead in your house. Yeah, apparently got dad joke humour as I well. Was like, <laughs> I was like, along with this and like, when Ray was like, oh, it's dead around here, he's like, oh, you could say that. I wanted to be like, I wanted more like sassy ghouls, you know? Like, yeah. So then there's a knock on the door and they hope it's their parents. It's not, it's Compton Doors. Oh, wait, 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 and what, what's weird is, he goes, Penny, Penny. Penny, and it's, you know, that's that's weird, because that's, you know, Big Bang Theory's not even out yet. So, like, where's that come from? And, um... And there's a knock on the door. <laughs> and it's Compton Doors. And he's like, oh, I've got to get you away from here. We've got to rescue your parents. Yeah. He's like... Weird that the parents aren't at the door saying that. It is. Um... He's like, oh, we've got to rescue you. Rescue your parents. Come with me. I just found out what's happening. We're at a party and they all closed in on your parents and I. Mm, we're the only what the kids did. Yeah, we're un, we're 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 the only alive ones here. Let's go and get your parents. So he drives them to where the amphitheater was, and this time they're all. Uh, the kids are aware because like they've they've been there, and yes. and, and, and uh, unfortunately, not only being a bad watcher, mm. Ray Thurston also just like Ray showed, showed showed his hand by saying we bring them here and kill them. I know. If he hadn't have said that, the kids wouldn't have questioned the fact that Compton brings them. Well, the thing is, they still go with him. Yeah. They're like, and right. it's like, I'm not sure if you can trust him. Obviously, they decide to trust him in the end. Maybe it's because his handsman wears a cowboy hat. Yeah. Uh, but the only reason they realise Compton Doors is also dead is because they trip over a tombstone that says Compton Doors. Oh, hang on, maybe it's just Compton's father or his grandfather. Nope. Compton made a point of saying, oh, no, I'm the only one in my family. <laughs> like, really, that's booked, that, booked yourself into a corner yeah, there, didn't that's you, buddy? Whenever I met someone, I say, I have a father and a mother and a sister, and if they're to perish, I'm the last of my name. Yes. Mr. Dawes, you too are cried so disappointed, so confused. Again, disappointed. It's like she really wanted this man to be a father figure. Well, he was the only one who took any notice of it. He was. He was fun, and he was cool, and he was nice. He wore cowboy hat. Yeah. Me too, he said, almost sadly. All of us. This was a normal town once, and we were normal people. Most of us worked in the plastics factory on the outskirts mm-hmm. of town. Then there was an accident. 
Something escaped from the factory. A yellow gas. It floated over the town. So fast we didn't see it. Didn't realise. And then... It was too late, and Dark Falls wasn't a normal town anymore. We were all dead, Amanda. Dead and buried. But we couldn't rest. We couldn't sleep. Dark Falls was a town of living dead. So, hence why they need this scheme where they use the old dead uncle trick, invite families in, I guess bring them to this amphitheatre, and we see mum and dad are tied up. Oh, we'll, we'll, sorry, we'll, we'll, we'll just race to the end of the story. So yeah. mum and dad are tied up. Um, they push a tree over or something? First they smack Mr. Dawes in the fucking noggin with a, <laughs> yeah. with, a with the flashlight. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you triple, know, triple H with the sledgehammer. Right, like, really yeah. There's, there's meant to be this moment where he's like, oh, he can't shine the light because it's broken because he, because he, Dropped you know, it. I'm dropped like, it. Yeah. So he's just like, all right. Credit to him. He just uses old noggin. Just yeah. smacks his. It's all the. It's all the pent up rage he's got from his family not noticing him. Yeah. He lets really it lets it out on, across <laughs> Mr. Dawes' forehead. And so they push the tree over, and I guess it's just as the sun's coming up, and so all the flood, all the light, the, the light floods in. Light floods in is the yeah. phrase I'm looking for. So are there more people down there? Yes. Because I got no sense. I got the all I got the sense for this was was that the kids were in the town and Mr. Dawes, and that's it. But then it makes it sound like there's a whole town well, in there. Well, yeah, it's really odd, and I do want to get to that, because it says there's a lot of angry cries and a lot yeah, of, like, like exasperated It seems like they burn everyone in there, right? Yeah, like, literally everyone in town. Oh, and it makes sense that it's underground, because that way they're shaded, like... So, yeah, save the parents. It didn't take our parents long to get us packed up and arrange for the moves to take us back to our old neighbourhood and our old house. Yeah. Dad, Dad did tip them this time. <laughs> he refused to tip them last time. <laughs> um... Again, I feel like if you've just gone through that, probably just go stay in a motel or something. Yeah. Don't worry about your stuff. You can yeah. get that later. You'd yeah. probably just, just get out of it as quick as possible. Traumatic event. The laws of life and death have just been shown to be mere playthings. <laughs> so I would probably just forget about your dresser for a yeah. while. Buy some new clothes. Just, just, yeah. Go to Target. There's probably a sale on. Because um, you'd want to get out of that house. Yeah. You're going to get out of the whole town. It could yeah. be possible. I'm, guess what? As soon as I find out it's called Dead House, I'm not going back into Dead House <laughs> ever again. Can't trick me again. And then, again, I was sort of confused about this. We talked about this before. As soon as they're leaving the house, like leaving forever, another car's moving in. So I thought that didn't really make sense. And Amanda, as she's leaving, oh, the kid, the new kids here staying in the house go, who are you? And she says, I, uh, I used to live in your house, repeating the line that everyone says. And as she's running away, she thinks she catches a glimpse of Mr. Dawes. Yeah, and she says that she couldn't control the fact that she said that to Did the she? kids. Yeah, she says, she says, I Oh, myself. yeah, yeah, I found myself answering. You're quite yes. right, yeah. So, so here's my understanding, just from, I listened to this just you know, not long, long yeah. ago, is that that yellow gas that's yep. spread throughout... Yeah, lay it on me. ...must be some kind of mind-altering thing. So he, here's what, what, I guess, confused me as a kid. Did the... This strange yellow gas, which is very mysterious, yeah. does that have supernatural properties, or is that just the thing that killed everybody? Well, see, this is where I'm realizing now there is the same as Silent Hill. Like, mm. a, a, something wrong with a factory, mm. spews out toxins all over the town, everyone dies, you know, burns down, whatever. What I got from that was that, again, class upper tones of that, mm. they all, everyone in the town worked at the plastic factory. Oh, yeah. Factory get, has to get shut down. I do hear that. But as with yeah. many of these Rust Belt towns, the, you know, they're leaking oil into the water yes, supply. Yes, There's no infrastructure there yes. because there's no jobs there I, I was going to make a joke about, like, you know, the yellow gas is capitalism or something mm. like that, but, like, it's either, you know, I think about that Sherlock Holmes episode with the Baskervilles with yeah, the gas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it something that makes you feel this way and that mm. no one really is actually a zombie? Or is it that it's turning people 
into zombies and it is supernatural. Yeah. I don't, I don't really I don't lean get, either way on one I of don't get the timeline because, okay, so say this say this gas is just poison gas. It kills everyone. It's, Mr. Dawes says they're all dead and buried. So presumably yeah. that he means they're literally buried underground in their tombs. Yeah. And then they can't sleep, so they realise they need fresh blood. And again, yeah, it's not, not mentioned if that's a metaphorical, oh, you know, well, oh, they fresh blood. They or do they actually there. drink their blood? Yeah. Now, I guess it would make sense since they actually need their blood. I think they are vampires. I think they're vampire ghouls. I don't know. Yeah. Because I think that's why, going on that, that's why Mr. Dawes stopped them from killing him. He's like, no, you kids, you need to wait for everybody oh. to get some. This isn't just for you. This is you got to wait for everyone to have dinner. And the like, kids are the ones who got, haven't got the restraints. Yeah, because the kids are the kids. They just yeah. want to eat oh, everything. Yes, so maybe they are vampires. Yeah, but I mean, uh, look, that's the thing. I don't think it fits neat, neatly into one, like, horror monster because... It crosses borders, doesn't it? Yeah. It, it, they play with a lot of tropes. And I... The whole concept of the plastic factory melting, you know, that's all in, like, two lines. It's never mentioned. It's never, like, they're like, oh, that's where the old plastic factory used to be. Yeah, even if they had a mention that, like, oh, there's an accident here. Yeah. Like, that would at least be some foreshadowing, yeah. where it's, I feel like the foreshadowing was for other things. Yeah, you almost don't need an explanation. It could just no, be, hey, this it took is me a- out of it, knowing that, I was like, oh, that's real. Maybe they did just die. It could just be a town full of zombies, and that's, like, really all you need. Yes. And, like, is there a subtext to, the, to it being an amphitheatre? I, I sort of liked your idea of sort of like this. As you said, it's very ritualized. There's Everyone has their role. One's the watcher. They yes. know when to leave the playground. Everyone's sort of got their role. Like a clockwork. Everyone's, yeah. hey, you know, like everyone's on a shift. Yes. Like their shift at the plastics factory. Oh. It, so do you know if this is one that people consider a really, really great one? Because I was shocked at how affecting it was at being scary. Yes, yeah, so R.L. Stein has said several times he didn't have the tone right for the first couple because he was used to writing stories for a bit of older crowd. Yes, that's, that's, that's Which just is why we get, you know, things like Petey dying. You know, Petey doesn't come back at the end. No. Petey's dead. Yeah, that's, that's a grim thing for like a, a 10-year-old kid to read. Now, hang on. If Petey's dead, how can he came back as a zombie? Did he... Because that's what he was, right? When he stank like a rat, he was like a dead dog. How did he or get resuscitated? They, well, no, if you bite someone who isn't a vampire and you're a vampire, they turn into well, a that's vampire. Well, that's the thing. There's no sort of infection narrative, is there? It's just no. sort of like they just, they just feed on them. Although the, the gas in the air is a respiratory Potentially. issue. The dreams? I feel like the, I think the dreams is... So not just... So obviously the dog dying is traumatic because it, it happens to the characters in yeah, the book. Yeah, yeah. But the dream, which... The visual of yeah, the Yeah, and, and the fact that she's thinking this stuff, mm. it's not like her dream wasn't thrust upon her. Mm. She's thinking about her dead family, mm. which is in, like, as an adult, is scarier than seeing a dead dog. You're quite right. As a kid, though, I would find a dead dog very scary yeah, and the yeah. dream not really relevant, apart from the fact that they're skeletons. Mm. But why were they skeletons? Is that, is, is that foreshadowing that once they're in the light, they'll become skeletons? It could be that. It could be that. It could just be as simple as... Ooh, there's something creepy here. But yeah, especially this one and the second one, you get a lot more visceral, maybe... Descriptions of what's happening? Yeah, than you yeah. do with later the other ones. And I feel like, yeah, you wouldn't get, like, descriptions of people's faces melting, like well, Indiana Jones, as you would in... Yeah, and I feel like that's what... I think I mentioned before, the, before we recorded this, that the books I like the most from Goosebumps are ones that I think aren't near the beginning at all. I haven't read any of the first mm-hmm. 10 or 20. I like them sort of, especially as they go on later, to like B-movies. Within themselves, they're serious, but the audience is like, oh, this is goofy. This yeah, is I'm having fun, fun with this. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas I feel like this one, it's it's grounded in reality. Yeah. There are towns in America where a factory's had an incident and everyone and, has died. And everyone now has to like drink blood. Yeah. Yeah. 
Vampireville. Yeah, I know. They really, they, and they named it that before it happened. <laughs> Weird. I feel like if you said to me, hey Sam, do you know there's a small town in America where a bunch of kids lured other kids and the townspeople there killed them? You'd be like, yeah. That's oh, that, yeah, that, that sounds that, that terrifying. Sounds, right. Whereas the ones further on in, in So if in I the told you there's an egg monster from Mars, you wouldn't be that concerned. Or well, I'd, I'd need to know more context. Yeah, well, context is key in this. situation. What if I said there's a Monster Blood 3? Would that make you worried? Is there a Monster Blood 4? Yes, there is. Well, here we go. Where, where does it end? <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I thought there was definitely... We, we've touched on it, but th- this idea of uh, it was the capitalist plastic factory that killed yes. this town. Yes. And, you know, maybe... And it's here to suck the blood of, yes. of a new generation of yes. families. Like, yes, that's great. It continues to suck the yeah. blood of people who move in there. Because you move there and industry's left. There's, There's no, no future. schools have been consolidated into one one thing. You're probably going to get a worse education because there's Your more Your dad's teachers. trying to write a novel, but he fucking sucks. Yes, he's never had any inclination of being a writer before this. Your mum wants to leave him because of that. Your mum wants to run off with... He- Oh, there's got to be a reading oh, there where doors, done, yeah, where mum and doors are fucking because they're like, never on screen at all. For the most whole of the thing is just like them trying to cover up their affair or yes. something. Oh, because the party, the, the dad's tied up because he's been cucked. <laughs> <laughs> it's a swing of town, yes. and the parents are so embarrassed. They're like, "Oh no, <laughs> they're trying to eat us." Dad had to kill the dog and make yeah. throw up the set. <laughs> Look at the dog. The dog ran out of the house with like a 12 inch dildo in its mouth. And that's like that. Did you enjoy it, Sam? I did. What's one thing you learned from this book? I learned that if a child comes to you in, a, in an age where their body's changing and their mind's changing and they're telling you that they are having disturbing thoughts and dreaming of the entire family being dead, don't tell them to stop singing things. Maybe, you know, get them some help. Mm. That's very good. I learned that you have to supervise the working class or they won't know what to do. And I'll drop your dresser. Out of five uh, uh, spooky little spiders, <laughs> uh, how many spooky little spiders do you give it? And I'm notoriously over-generous to scoring things. That so, so five would be flawless. Right. I reckon this is a... Are we going my point seven five? You can, you can go to point five. Okay. I feel like as we rate these, as we go on, we're going to get worse and worse and worse. Yeah. And this, if I give it a 3.5, I'm going to be like, that's a 5 in comparison to the rest well, of these. Well, in terms of Goosebumps looks, I'm going to give this a 4 out of 5. I say I'm, I'm leaning towards a 4. 3.5 times too low for what's coming up way down the line. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for listening. Please join us next week in which we discuss Goosebumps number 2, Stay Out of the Basement. That's what my mum said to me because a lot of my friends would do drugs in the basement and they would leave things there that were, you know, unsavoury. Your friends did drugs in your basement? Well, look, they told me they were my friends. In the meantime, I'm going to take you off with my standard catchphrase. Please, stay spooky. And my famous catchphrase, if it's weird in your basement, don't, don't say it is yours when it's not. Because your mum's upset. Just Catholic. And you're doing hard time. Hard time. Thank you. Gadsy on Goosebumps is a literature podcast, a co-production of Henderson Entertainment Network and Equinox Petrochemical Solutions. If you'd like to listen to more stirring podcasts or hear about how the petrochemical industry supports your local community, please visit latricha.com. That's latricha, L-A-T-T-E-R, 
A-T-U-R-E.com.